Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Today I'm giving you two creative people for the price of one, uh, DeAndre Gossett and Quincy Lanier. They are partners in life and in work. They are filmmakers, directors, writers, producers, editors. They do it all. And they are also the men behind the program at Outfest called the Chadwick Journals, which is a continuation of a project they developed originally as the DL Chronicles, and then it became the Chadwick Journals. They are shows that originally aired on Here TV, but have also been online. A very popular following, um, dealing with uh, men of color, dealing with their sexuality, and sometimes they're on the DL, and, and uh, it examines that whole... Um, Dynamic and has evolved in a very interesting way. So we talked to them all about that. Um, the latest installment of the Chadwick Journals is showing at Outfest on this Sunday night at 9.45 at the Harmony Gold. So you can check that out. They've also done a lot of producing in the reality competition space. They, like, they always like to say, um, people in the industry are always like, I want to work in that space, in the reality space. Anyway, that's what they're doing. Uh, they've worked on shows like Cocktails with Chloe, with Chloe Kardashian, The Sing-Off, America's Best Dance Crew, and they did some producing on the Justin Bieber Roast, which I asked them about for sure. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to Michael Shane. He, uh, one of my listeners who kicked in a little to the tip jar and helps me pay for the web hosting and the other expenses that come up. I really appreciate it. Um, you could do the same at DennisAnyone.net. Um, you can also see pictures that I post um, that go with some of the podcasts. Certain times I talk about things that are in the room or a picture or whatever. With DeAndre and Quincy, they were one of those couples that got married at the Grammys, and uh, they have a picture from the telecast hanging in their house, and I snapped a photo of that, and I will post it at DennisAnyone.net. So without any further ado, here are DeAndre Gossett and Quincy Lanier. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the fabulous Glendale apartment of our guests today. Uh, they are filmmakers, writers, directors, editors, they do it all. It is DeAndre Gossett and Quincy Lanier, partners in life and work. That's right. So why don't, DeAndre, you say, you say something first so people know that's what DeAndre sounds like. DeAndre sounds like this. Okay, and what does Quincy sound like? Quincy sounds like this, but some people can't tell the difference. You guys kind of yeah. sound similar. Even our mothers can't tell the difference sometimes. <laughs> so when oh, you moms. do you ever play jokes on people with the phone, or does anyone ever call and say we, something to it, one thinking it's the other? It's and, funny. We should do that. We've never done it before, but that would be funny. Yeah, we, we <laughs> they've mistaken us and started having a conversation. Right. And I'm like, uh, no, it's not you, DeAndre. It's the other one. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys always sound alike, or do you think it's, you've been together 20 think, years? I don't so, think because so. I had a thick Midwestern accent when I first met him. Right. Yeah. And you've, you've sophisticated, you've, you've really, like, made him more sophisticated. Oh, oh really? He's really? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never, I have to, I have to, you have, you can go home. I have to stay here with, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, let me know after you leave. You didn't change me. No, I was like that. <laughs> but you guys met when you were 20. You were 20 years ago. You've been together 20 years, mm -hmm. but you still seem so young. So you must Thank have been when you were really young. We were. We were 22 and 23. <laughs> 22 and 23. Yeah. yeah. Where did you meet at? We <laughs> we met uh, some friends of ours did a spoof on the on the new edition. Remember the boy band back in the day? Oh, my God. Please. That's an amazing. <laughs> like Candy Girl? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I was playing. Well, we... we Figured it out yesterday. Well, let's forget the character's Ronnie, name. I don't think it's Ronnie uh, Bivens. I he's think the it's one DeVoe. It's DeVoe. Okay. 
Rodney DeVoe? Rodney, no. Rodney, Rodney DeVoe. <laughs> yeah. One of you I'm was DeVoe. I'm taking away your black card. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you were one of them. I was one of them. I was a guy with with the no eyebrows, and he right. was the yeah. was the special effects. It's a tall, skinny guy in the group who had like no eyebrows. Very little eyebrows. Right. And were you one of the five in the group too? No. Okay. No, I was the makeup artist that removed his eyebrows and he <laughs> so has to make very it, thick eyebrows was it a parody for like a TV show or something yeah or was, yeah, was yeah, it was yeah, before yeah. web stuff probably really yes. yeah, yeah we didn't even before. have YouTube yet yeah no. No. wow Gee, that way made way. me feel so old so you guys you guys are always going to have the the Bell Bibs or the the new edition is yes. kind of and it's funny we never listened to them and that was no <laughs> That's how we met. We just there you go. <laughs> you don't have you, you don't bust it out on your anniversary or no, anything. Like that. No, but I, I know to, them. I used I to mean, love New Edition. Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to love them. But, but no, I, I've never made the connection until just right. now. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no song that actually like soundtracks are. Your your baby. I'm sorry. That's 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 nasty. DVD. Right on. <laughs> Same guys though. Same guys. Now you have a, a show at Outfest. Um, one of the programs there, the Chadwick Journals, which is uh, something you've created for the web, and it's also premiering at Outfest. Mm-hmm. And it is a spinoff of sorts of the DL Chronicles, which was the first uh, series you did, and then you also had a season one of the Chadwick Journals, and now we're, this is season two that we're seeing. Yes. So, yep. um, how did it, it, it all sort of started with the DL, the DL Chronicles. How did that idea come to you? Uh, let's write about this, let's explore this, let's make this show. Well, we were both actors at the time. Uh, we had actually dabbled in filmmaking just for play, and we had won um, Best Alternative Short Film at a festival through Showtime. Right Networks. on. And that kind of gave us a little, you know, inspiration to possibly consider directing. But we had only directed ourselves. Right. Because we were actors. And there was a period during the blockbuster ages. <laughs> we you were know, so old. When blockbuster video. Right. When there was blockbuster video. You know, so now instead of like the, you know... The Ice Age is the blockbuster age. There's the you right. know, no, MySpace age. No, the Red Book. Now that you know, YouTube, the Red Box and, age, yeah, yeah, Snapchat age now. But um, we were going, we were renting a lot of movies because there were a lot of direct to DVD uh, films being produced right. that you know you never saw in the theaters, which was great because the um, two of the genres that we were starving for, which was um, gay and lesbian. There was a huge market of gay and lesbian films, and then there was um, a huge African American direct to DVD uh, market. Right. So those were both, you know, two communities we belonged to and whose stories we had never gotten to see on a regular basis. So we were just renting all of these movies, just enjoying them, and then we realized that there wasn't, like, all the gay films were white gay films. Right. And then all of the black films were heterosexual. So you, you had to rent <laughs> two DVDs or two VHSs and try to melt them <laughs> together. <laughs> try to, try to imagine these characters in both worlds. So yeah. you're like, you know what? It would be so much easier if we could just rent one VHS. There you go. <laughs> so we realized that there was no uh, there was no story that that you know told the stories of people of color who were also gay and lesbian. Right. And that was that was where we got the idea we should do something. But we didn't know what. But we it didn't was. know what it was going to be, and then um, and then we saw an episode of Oprah Winfrey's show, and there was this author out called J.L. King who was. I remember this vividly, and I was yes. going to bring this up. Yes, yes. he wrote. Uh, I think the book was called On, On the, the Low, Low or something. And we were just 
horrified watching this episode because we were like, whoa, in an instant, this guy has taken the black gay community back like 25 years. Because right. all of a sudden... It's very un-PC. It's very yeah, shame-based. It, yeah. Like, all it was, that I was like, it was mm-hmm. like you left that... You left thinking, oh my gosh, there's these guys, these black guys who are who are deceiving their women, giving them HIV, and there's no way to really tell. And I was like, what? That's the story? So what made me so angry was Quincy and I, we were in a seven-year relationship, seven years about that time, and we weren't out of the closet, but we didn't deceive any women. And it was it was much more. But you guys were you living together? We were yeah, living, living together. together. I mean, we 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 led people. Do people to think believe. you were roommates? They yes, thought we exactly. were roommates, and we still you know party with our straight friends. We hung out with our straight friends, but we didn't have girlfriends. We didn't have wives. Right. And my you know, thing we was, let women flirt with us, but you know, what harm was letting somebody flirt with you? But we did. Right. We never. Nobody was getting their heart nobody broken. Nobody was getting their heart broken or, or STDs or any of that stuff. N- none of none that. None of that. And a lot of guys that we knew weren't doing that. And it was like, why is this the pre- Perpetuated story of this phenomenon because it's so much more layered than just deception for the sake of deception. We were, it was, there are reasons. There's, but it is a thing. It, it is, is a, a thing. culture yeah. that exists. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I my, my vivid remember, memory of that episode was I, I feel like Oprah, when she doesn't, when she wants to act like she doesn't know something, she'll mispronounce it. Yeah, yeah. Or like, <laughs> so she'll say, tell me about the down low. Like she always put the emphasis, she always put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, yeah, yeah. and I think it's her way of saying to her audience of like, I'm learning. I'm, I'm like you. I don't understand right. any of this stuff. I remember there's another episode where she was like, so tell me more about this barebacking. <laughs> like she, she, she always says barebacking. No, no, Oprah. You know what it is. Uh, right. You've been prepping this episode for a while. Right. I just think I find it hilarious. So That's tell funny. me more about the down low. So, so, <laughs> so, you know, what, what, one so, of the other things that, you know, was, was just the, the the cultural differences between what is just the closet. Right. It's the closet. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll give you an example. The New York Times did an article about the down low. How did she say it? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's actually better than I did. Down low. The down low. Um, like, she hits the wrong accent. Right. And, yeah. you, you know, you, uh, you, re- you read this article, and it's about these... It is describing... It's, it's almost like a, like a 1950s crime novel. Right. Um, and it's... The deception. Yeah, and the, the deception yeah, and the, the darkness. The web of lies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and right. these men, they... They meet in the park, and the darkness, you know, under the cover of darkness and night, and then they come back to their, you know, unknowing wives, and they give them diseases, and they deceive their families and their children, and I mean, it's like just horrible. Then in what 2007, Brokeback Mountain came out, right, and it was you know accepted as this wonderful work of art, and then the same newspaper. Wrote an article about Brokeback Mountain, and it was about these poor white men who right. don't Society have the freedom to be themselves. Yes. And you know, it, it was all sympathetic from like the guy's perspective. And right, I was it was a tragedy. It was, it was a tragedy. And I was like, wow. When yeah. they when it's talked about in this in, that's really in this community, it's shamed and it's made to be you know. Like yeah, dirty. Right. But when it's talked in this talked about in this community, then it's it's sympathetic. That's the, what can they do? Society's against them. Yeah. They can't 
you know. So that was our goal with the show was to, uh, you know, it is an anthology series just in case, you know, people who haven't seen it. So every episode, it tells a different story. Yes, different, different characters. Different character, different, different story. What we wanted to do was to tell multiple stories um, approaching this issue from multiple perspectives because everybody's reason for being in the closet it's different, it's different, and you need um, in particular to them. Exactly, and we definitely wanted to explore the societal and cultural aspects as to why, um, you know, it's something that I don't even want to say it's predominant in <laughs> communities of color because it's it's I think it's probably close to equal across. But you gave it a cool name. Well, the white community, there's not a cool name for it. Well, right? well that, that name, we didn't give it that name. That name, where, does, simply, where did the, the, the down low meant anything that you did undercover. Right. It was actually a term used in the straight community for people who were having extramarital affairs. Or people who were having sexual relationships that they didn't want anybody to Anything know about. Anything that was clandestine. Anything, yes. anything. Yeah. So, like, R. Kelly made a song called Keep It on the Down Low. Right. Um, and then that somehow took on, um, and the chat rooms and stuff like that, right. gay black man would say, I'm DL. Right. And then it became associated with that community in general, but it was a term that meant before that. Right. You know, the chat room world. It, it sort of, sort of made it stick. Stick. Yeah. What, when you first started, okay, we're going to take this on. Did you research? Did you talk to people? Did you... Did you know of stories in, in your life? Or, like, where did you sort of get your stories from that you wanted to tell? Absolutely. I think every character is an amalgamation of a bunch of stories. Like, all the characters are kind of these archetypes of very similar stories in that, within that, under that umbrella. The, 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 the down-low father, you know, who right. was straight for years and then decided in, in later in life to, to come out, I mean, to be himself, but not come out to maybe his children. Um, then there was, you know, there was the sex craze, you know, the, the download story that everybody's familiar with. Oh, there's this, this guy that's very uh, secretive, doesn't identify as gay, um, has women and men and, and, and doesn't connect those two worlds. Um, and then there was us, the download couple who are not deceiving anybody. Um, just for what, for societal reasons, or you know, familial reasons, or religious reasons, were not coming out to their friends and family. So there was all of these stories to tell, but we had to kind of put them in archetypes. So yeah, there was people that we knew. It was based on us. Um, I think every character, it's based on our study of of people in general. We both uh, have educational backgrounds in psychology. Right. So, you know, it was, it was an interesting study for us to write at, at the same time. And when it came out, it really caught on. It really captured a moment. A lot of people really went nuts for it. Was there blowback? Were people like, yes. how dare you expose this secret or it's well, not what you think or it's not really like that? The blowback began only because of the title. Right. So, yeah. so the community was fighting against the title because of the how stigma. was the stigma right. that was associated with the term DL download. Right. Um, so in the beginning, a lot of people just thought, oh my gosh, here's this show, another J.L. King moment, um, and we're so people sick and tired of, you know, off of this sensational topic that Was he damaging. the guy that was, 
He was in a marriage so famous. The no, 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 no. I'm thinking that's, of the author. You're thinking oh, that's of another Terry, Terry, like Terry Back. Yeah, but yeah, another Terry download McMillan. story. Another download, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was the, the blowback, as, as you can say. <laughs> as it were. As it were, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, was di- basically just over, over the title. But then once people gave it a chance and saw the actual show... That she saw was the antithesis of that. They got that, it. They yeah. understood. Oh, this title is what it is because of what it's been. You see what's behind. You it. see what's yeah. behind. You see it. that everybody yeah. has a story in it. And right. It's, right. It's not like a trend they're hopping on or a. a, a, a uh, yeah, but we fought. We fought the, the stigma of the title for about at least half a year. Mm-hmm. Because there were a lot of bloggers. You know, bloggers were pretty popular right. during that period, too, where they were the new they were the new sources of news. Right. Um, so they were very so much against lot it, but they had never seen it. Just right. Like, and then, like, like word how, of mouth. How can you judge it? You haven't even seen it. Word of mouth got around, and then people were like, oh, wait, this is not what I thought it was. This is actually really Yeah, and some of our, like, intriguing, most really. fervent detractors became, like, some of our biggest supporters. Well, the people that love it and, and your fans are really passionate. Like they, yes. they, they I, I get the feeling that like even when you want to kind of put it to bed and move on, they're like, "When we need more, we need more, we need more." Right. What was it like when you first started getting that kind of feedback? When pe- you realized that you were catching a nerve or touching a nerve? Um, it was it was emotional for me. I think the first email that I got ever was on MySpace. <laughs> right on. Age. <laughs> it was on MySpace, and it was just after we had gone public, like it had been on television, and I got this letter, two letters in particular. One letter was from a young kid who was contemplating suicide and told me that he was on the verge and he had been like deliberately like going through his mind about how he was going to do this. Like he had been planning meditating right, figuring on it. out how it... Yeah, and so he saw the show some just haphazardly somewhere. I don't know how he got a hold of it. Um, and it was actually on a DVD. Um, and he said... I forget what episode it was exactly. Or maybe it was a combination of all of them. But he said he, he, he it gave him pause. And it made him feel less alone. And he felt like a lot of the faces that he was seeing was his own faces. And he had never seen his face... You know, there was Noah's Ark, but Noah's Ark wasn't, it, it, it wasn't... It didn't represent the psychology. all of the community. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it was for a specific part of the community. Right. You know, Noah's Ark was mostly the happy, out gay people. You know, very well, you it know, It was more adjusted. aspirational. Yeah. yeah. Was, de- definitely. definitely. It, was so like, it was like more the sex in the city. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so they saw, he saw this and he and he wrote this long letter about how I, we basically saved his life. That was one. And then there was this other popular uh, music artist who was just about to come out, a rap artist. And Not to come out of the closet, to, to come just, out. Just to launch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to launch as an artist. And, <clears throat> he, um, and he was saying to us, he was basically asking, how do I navigate my career being who I am? I've seen your show, and I'm starting to feel like maybe I should just be me, you know. And what what do you think I should do? And I was like, and he was being signed by a major hip hop label, right at the time. So it was like, like how do you deal with right exactly with that? Like you don't here's your career. Hey, hey. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> okay. What would you do 
with my career. Yeah. Know? So it's the stakes are pretty high. Yeah. Ultimately, he decided that he he knew that he couldn't come out yet, but he wasn't going to involve a a, 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 fee, a a beard. So to right, speak. he was because like, I was going to go that a, route. The Grammys. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. He said I was going to go that route. Now I feel like no, I, I don't think that's I was going to do it without even flinching. And now I, I feel some kind of way about doing that involving someone in his. He said, "What you guys have process. taught me is it's." It's, yeah, it's my own process, but I don't have to involve someone right. in, the, in the in that process. That's and that, at un- the time, annoying. and you know, I know, you know, we've gotten some some kickback from how we answer, um, but I think there was such a bigger story, uh, bigger issue surrounding this particular kid who was from a poor family in an impoverished, crime-ridden neighborhood, and he had this skill. As a rapper, that, that gave him the him opportunity out. to get him out of yeah. the situation and his family out of the situation. And, and when I'm telling you, like, he was such a great rapper, like, awesome rapper. Um, how do you how do you advise that person? Yeah. Who no, the stakes, are, like, the stakes are life and death in yeah. a way. It really yeah. is. It's complicated. What ended up happening with him? Did he become successful? He, I think he ended up being one of those artists that gets signed, and then you never hear their music, and they're still like. He did a couple of guest spots on around. other people's stuff. Yeah, but yeah, nothing. He's not a star yet. No, not um, yet. but you, you never met him. Never no. met him. No, no. Solely through writing us on MySpace back in the day. Nice. We heard his music and everything, and we know what he looks like. But right. Um, now, how did you guys get that first TV deal? Did you shoot it yourself and then sell it, or did you? Did they fund it? How did it work? Because yeah. you guys were sort of an unproven entity at the time. Right. We were. Our goal was to create a direct-to-DVD series. Right. Because that was what inspired us to do something was the DVD mar- direct-to-DVD right. market. So our thing was, hey, we can shoot, you know, uh, ninety minutes worth of content and package it, market it as a DVD. Because we also had some filmmaker friends who had who were kind of doing really well in the direct to DVD market. So right. we, you know, we had some mentors and we had some people that uh, were going to help us navigate through that process. And um, meanwhile, DeAndre was in a short film that premiered at Outfest called On the Low, and we were having a conversation with the director of that film and told him, you know, we're working on this project over here. And we asked him to watch it, or he asked to see it. You had already shot some of it. We had already shot. shot we had it. already shot the first episode. Right. And we showed it to him, and he loved it. And he asked if he could share it with Kim Yutani, who was the head programmer at Outfest at yeah. the time. And we were like, "You think so?" And he's like, "Yeah, I think you know. I just I, I think she should see it." So it wasn't even finished. It was like in this rough cut. DeAndre was still editing it. And Kim Yutani saw it, and she was like, this is brilliant. Can I program this? And it wasn't finished. We were like... And she wanted to program it at Outfest. At Outfest. Was it for Fusion or the main Outfest festival? Uh, it was Fusion for, it is was a for, springtime festival. It was for Outfest, Outfest was and we weren't going to get it done in time, I remember. And she said, it doesn't matter. We, we have this other festival called Fusion, which I think will give you a better platform anyway. It'll right. be more center stage if we do it there. 
And I was like, okay. I didn't know anything about any, any I love stuff. that, though. That's amazing. <laughs> you are complete newbies. So yeah. Outfest was really instrumental for you guys at oh, the absolutely. beginning. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When you were trying to get been. it finished and thinking, do I have anything here? Yes. How did you end up selling it to, to Here TV? How did it end up on TV? Well, Here TV saw it at that first run at Outfest. Right. And our, we had our agent, Quincy had a literary agent at the time who saw it and was like, oh, my gosh, I want to see it. I think I can sell this. This is great. Right. And she had reached out to them, and they came and saw it. But something about something about the the timing was off, or the the, the, the negotiation time, whatever it was, it didn't happen. Right. And we were like in this limbo with Here TV and a, a couple of other people who were interested as well. And then, so we had uh, Queer t- QTV, which right. Which was a channel, a new channel. So it's Queer TV, TV Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers uh, Home DVD division. Right on. And so we had three, three people. And MTV logo. Sorry. Yeah. So and so four. all of them were, everything was still like in this very stalled state. And we were tired of waiting. So right. we just, we just we produced another one. and did another one. We did we another like, one ourselves. We need to get our 90 minutes of content. Right, exactly. Yeah. They, we're going to stick with our blockbuster model. Exactly. Right. If this right. happens in the in the interim, yeah. great. great. So we just moved forward. and So Here TV were the ones that were basically, they, they, they liked the integrity of the piece already. They weren't trying to change it or modify it in any way. And the, the terms were just really fair. It was just... They were the most fair term. They, they were the best. It was the best deal. It was, it was the, the best, right deal. Was the best yeah. deal. Yeah. Warner Brothers would have been a wonderful deal, um, but because we didn't have names, they were trying to co-brand us with uh, author Elin Harris, right. who was a New York Times bestseller, yeah. and he was the first in the community to write about the download the phenomenon, phenomenon. Um, right. years ago. So they thought if they could do like an Elin Harris Presents, Presents. Yeah. and we were... Down we're for it. We're like, it's Elin Harris. Right. You know, it puts us on the shelves. And they had not yet uh, worked out that deal right. with him, with Elin. So we were waiting for that deal to happen. Right. And it just was taking longer and longer. And then what's our agent's... Um, she said, uh, a, a bird in the hand is worth more than two birds in the bush. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, something like, yeah, you know, talk bushes yeah. and birds. This, this deal's here, it's on the it's table, here it's on real. the table, let's, you know, you have to consider that. So we went with, we of course we went well, with, with A bird here. in the hand is worth more than two, two in the bush. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah. I think that's what, that's it, what is. it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, did so, Elon Harris die? He did. He did, tragically, right? He tragically passed away of heart failure. Um, the the day, morning of our scheduled meeting, because he wanted us to produce a series version of a new set of novels he was writing. Oh my God! And he yes. came to LA and he set up a uh, brunch with us. And I got up that morning, getting dressed um, to go meet with Elon Harris, and looked online, and everybody was saying "rest in peace." And I'm like, what? What? No, we're having brunch. He's no, not resting yeah, in peace. No, we're yeah, brunch. Like, we just, right, that's we just like oh double checked with him last night, and everything's still on. This is not real. Wow. And yeah, and he passed away. Uh, he, I guess, I guess he. I don't know. If he, passed, he passed away in the hospital. Yeah, but, but he had, it, it happened. happened it happened at his hotel. hotel. Yeah. yeah. 
Man, and that that's was intense. that was heartbreaking. Was was well, it's a, it's a loss, and you admire him and whatever. But also, it was a break. It was a break. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and it, how do you not take that? You, yeah. yeah, you know. And it, it was it was something that happened after the D.L. Chronicles, after the you know the world was here. It was the next logical was the, step. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. would have been blown it much bigger. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about finding your actors because they're really good and they're Thank really you. sexy. Thank and you. I think. Any, I've, I've done some projects where you need to have, get actors that are game, that are up for whatever it takes emotionally or physically, if that means nudity, if that means, you know, sexuality, whatever. How have you managed that so far? And, and do you find when you're auditioning that, that people know what the deal is? Are they... Is every actor different? Every actor is different. Like, some... I mean, we've been very lucky um, um, that I think Quincy and I are really good at gauging you know, actors in an audition of what they'll be able to do for us on set and, you know, where they'll go emotionally and all of that other stuff. But there have been times where we've had actors who have auditioned and we thought they were game. And this this is a true story. Moments like, I think, a day before before principal principal photography, photography. we get an actor calling us saying, I can't do this. And his idea was, is they like me a lot. They're going to, they want me a lot to do this part. I'm going to do it. And then when I get there, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to do these sex scenes. I'm going to resist. I'm going to resist. And what are they going to do? It's the day before shoot. Right. So we had an actor do that in our first season with the kiss. Yeah. He waited until the moment moment we were about to shoot the kiss. The kiss. And then he pulls you aside and says, I can't do this. I'm not doing it. What if... Not even I can't, but I'm not doing doing it. it. So what did you do? Well, I had a really good talk... I had a really good talk with him on the side and I told him, you know, you're going to, this is one of those moments as an actor you're going to regret because this moment begs for this, this is not, Will Smith can tell you that. Yeah, this is not a gratuitous, we we use that example. It's like, this is not a gratuitous sex scene, just go, this is a moment in time, I'll shoot it, I'll do it in one take. You give me one take and I, and I guarantee you when you see this back, you're going to be glad that you did it. And that was really all I said to him and he was like fine still for you rushed, I trust you still, but he still rushed to the kiss so we had to play it in slow motion so in the final like, edit if you're familiar with this show you remember that slow motion kiss in the episode uh, but Rock, the actor uh, who was working uh, opposite him um, who he had to kiss who's also straight was really like dude Come on, man! Like, you're an actor. This like is you're the an part. Actor. You this do is it. what we do, and right. you know. So he was also great at uh, helping, you know, get it across to this dude. But I was, yeah, that was one of those moments I wanted to have a deeper fit. Well, it's and also <laughs> it's kind of like life imitating art in a way because being an actor in Hollywood, whether you're gay, if you if you if you happen to be gay, mm-hmm. that's that whole mind trip. But that's mm-hmm. that whole version of. On DL or whatever, yeah, right. So there must be levels to what you're exploring on screen, and then what you find yourself dealing with when you're putting your your show together. We typically like there there are actors who we knew who we knew to be gay. We know they're gay. There are gay actor friends, um, but they weren't out. Right. So they would not audition. They didn't want to have anything no, to do with they, it. They yeah. didn't want to they touch didn't our want, project. They didn't want to get any of your gay on them. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. No, it's right. so weird. Right. I mean, it's understandable, but it's so yeah. sort of, ugh. But, you know, that was, gosh, almost how many years ago now? That Almost 10 years ago. Right. So I think a lot has changed for 
actors, gay or straight, um, as far as you know, taking on gay and lesbian roles. The funny um, thing is, it's a lot. Li- I, I think if somebody yeah. had that really paranoid attitude, I, their peers and their stuff, they'd be like, "Dude, calm down." And like, I think yeah. society's kind of yeah, yeah. Once broke back, broke back mountain started winning uh, Academy Awards, then right. then everybody was hitting us up like, you know, I need. <laughs> I need, I need some a, of that. I, I, need, I need some a, of that gay role. It didn't win Best Picture, though. I remember that vividly. It <laughs> right. lost to Crash. And I was, right. was hosting sweet. an Oscar party. We all had our cowboy hats and, like, boot, like uh, yeah. and we just felt like assholes when, we, when the movie Crash, lost. the movie about living in Glendale. Exactly. Where we are now. Exactly. <laughs> yes. um, but your, your show also has a lot of sex appeal in it. And it's mm-hmm. got a certain... You know, you're also there's a that's part of the appeal. You know, yes. What have you learned about directing actors in those kind of scenes, uh, or conceiving them, or, or how to? You I know, what what makes the scene so, like that memorable? What makes it good? What well, makes it sexy? The thing that we always want to make sure. I mean, is that the thing that I was missing when I always saw uh, love making scenes and gay content was that we were always it was always just so aggressive and. I was like, I don't make, I don't have sex that way. I thought, sometimes, yeah, but I'm saying that <laughs> there, there's sometimes even disconnection. I've seen enough of yeah. that. Right, there's I've no, seen enough of that. There's action. no tenderness. There's yeah, no yeah. tenderness. No passion. So when the character calls for it, I mean, all our characters don't call for that kind of scene, but when they do, I'm right. ex- especially sensitive to it, and I'm always trying to shoot the beauty and the intimacy. You know, the beauty of the. Intimacy. I think that the intimacy when you that's the key word I think that comes across, and I yeah. think that's probably why people respond to it yeah, yeah. But it, on set it's very uh, it's funny it's it's very um mechanical it's uh, it's always like the actors are always a little nervous when it comes up there you always see an actor go off and say i need a drink and i'm like it's really it's gonna be fine trust right. me it's gonna be fine and when they get in the scene they realize oh no this is really mechanical this is like put your arm there Put that over there, and they're like, "Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing sexual about right. it at all." Now I really have to act because now I'm not. I just have to just do what they tell me to. So these scenes that you see, if we played it off camera, you just hear a bunch of yelling in right. the room. There's all these people in the room. Well, no, no, his butt is butt is too high. It's, uh, it's too. It, you're you're, in, you're not in your light. Right. Move, move. Well, you I, look awkward. I'd also say we 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 take consideration of our actors. Um, we have a closed set. Right. So there's not the, it's typically the DP, the sound person, me and DeAndre, uh, wardrobe runs in and out, makeup may run in and out, but no one else is ever present during right. the sex scenes. Um, because we just want our actors to know that we respect what you're doing. We, you know, and I know it's respect difficult. You. We respect you. Um, and I think developing and gain, gaining that trust from people and making sure that they know that you're not trying to exploit them or you're not, you know, you're not trying to get, you know, parade them in front right. of everybody. Right, that you're showing consideration. They yeah. get that it's not the most comfortable but thing you, to do. Right, yeah. but even though, even when it's intimate, there's still, like, there's a it's wardrobe still, person coming in there and rubbing my yeah, like a, a blemish. And they're like, yeah. oh my God. It's definitely And mechanical. then they just, all of a sudden, they lose the, the inhibition. inhibition. They're right. like, oh, it's, it, it really right. is just... This is a, yeah. 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 So. But, you know, you got to make people feel comfortable as a director. You right. have to... Make sure that they trust you, because that was one of our one of our actors said to us. He didn't know in the beginning whether he could trust us, whether we were just you know some guys that wanted to see him naked because he's gorgeous and 
and he's someone that people probably want to see naked a lot. And it was like, but when I saw what you guys did, because he said no to the very first prod time we approached him. Right. Then he saw what we did. And then he's like, on second thought. Then he decided to come on to the show. Nice. Um, Because he said he thought that we dealt with the subject with integrity. Um, He thought that we, we shot it and portrayed it with tenderness and beauty. And he didn't want to be in something that was just going to, you know, exploit. And he's a straight guy. He said right. he didn't want to be in anything that he felt was going to exploit the gay community or exploit him himself. Right. Because he thought, you know, I have lots of gay friends. Right. And I'm not going to be playing a character in something that is it's going to be embarrassing right. to my own friends. I want to so, hear about it. Yeah. yeah so. so you were talking about when you were conceiving this, were you guys still in the closet as a couple? Yes. Yeah. So... How do you, when does, when do you come out in relation to when it comes out? You know what I mean? How does that work? Simultaneously. Like, oh, by the way? Uh, yeah, I I don't remember how, I think we, I don't think we made a big to-do of it, but I do think that when we were being interviewed and the little magazine articles, we were just matter of fact at that point that we were a couple. Right. It wasn't like a, we're coming out. We just would start saying it. We had never declared it before. Now, what about with your friends and family and stuff like that? Oh, we were out to them by then, but but some years before, prior, we weren't. Like, we were slowly coming out to people still. But I think by the time the show came out, I think we were out to most of our Most of our friends close and family. family yeah. and friends. It's so interesting because it, I'm sure all of those years of, of, like, gradually little steps here and there really informed what you were writing about in this thing. It gave oh, you gosh. a point of view. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, each like, time was a different completely different story. Are you guys on the same... Were you on the same page for most of that time or was somebody no, a little more... No, I was a little more out. He was a little more progressive than me. Yeah, I think... I was lucky. I mean, I'm born and raised in L.A. I right. My mother... My... My um, godmother is a transgendered woman. It's not right. like... It's not like my family was ever off-putting to that. Right. But it was me. And there's always... It's always kind of different when it's yours. So my mother loves gay people uh, she did you know she was she was Hollywood mom she did hair so she right. did a lot of celebrities she partied a lot she knew every all kinds of people and it was not a big thing for her but for when it was her son and I think most of her fear was I know what happens to my friends I don't want this for you and right. that was really and it was probably it, it was probably uh post AIDS crisis like in yes. that time was, everything like that yes it was yeah. i wouldn't even say post it was i was it was like, like in the in it the, was in the thick of it right so um it was very much like it was, it was very much like um yeah i get it but i, I want I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah i don't want it to be so hard for you right 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 so um uh it was a lot easier for me to come out so right. in, in general. I mean, I did. Ha- I, I tell the story all the time about it. It was really hard for me to come out to my father because my father's very, very, very was he's passed away now. Very machismo, right? And I was definitely afraid of him. But the, it, as it turns out, he he addressed me and Quincy in a way that nobody else in my family did. It was just a very matter of fact way, as opposed to I think everybody else addressed us with this banner. 
Right. You know, oh, they, this is my gay son. It was like a... The one that, you know, I was emphasis, telling you about, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. felt like there yeah. like were all these conversations happening without you right, there. And right, All of these, was, all of this ground being set. Right. Yeah. My father would always address us just like a regular, just like a couple. It was just right. very matter of fact. He put no emphasis on anything. And, like, if I was, we were having, you know, little couple spats, he talked to me, talked me through them. Like, well, you right. know, you can't be saying stuff like that and, and expect him not to react. And right. That was my dad. So... That's amazing. Um, and that was the one I was afraid. He was the last person I came out to. So it, it turned out to be a great experience. Quincy Did was, you do it in person? No. I wrote thing, a letter for my family. because I, I never came out to him right. because he just, he's my he dad. Just he just knew. He just, he just accepted us as a couple. When That's he started, awesome. when I knew he knew, he addressed us as a couple for the first time. He just was like, I know you're with him. And and it was it was over something really silly over some money I owed him. <laughs> it was right. like and it was like he was like holding Quincy responsible for the the debt the too. debt for his son. And like, he was you like, "You owe me if he owes me because you're, you're a couple." And I'm right. like, <laughs> so in that moment we're we're over this money, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, did he just say what I think he said?" So right. after that, it was just easy breezy. It was right. never a thing. That's so, really funny. Yeah. yeah, that was hilarious. Um, I interviewed you guys. I was the moderator on this Outfest panel. Uh, I think it was last week, but. We talked about your wedding at the Grammys, and it was such an amazing story. So I would love to uh, to share it with you. There's a picture up there. Okay, I'll make sure to take a picture before I leave, if that's okay. That's okay. To post with the podcast. But you were one of the couples that were married on the Grammys the year that uh, was Same Love, Macklemore, and Madonna. I think she had a cane. Yes. Queen Latifah. Yes, Madonna um, was... How many couples were there married there? 33. 33. Mm-hmm. And were people... Were most of the couples getting married for the first time? Because some people got got a civil ceremony, but then marriage became legal and they did other things. Was it your first wedding of any kind? Yes, for us. For, for our us. first wedding, we were, we were domestic partners. partners. You had registered as domestic yeah, partners yeah. for years before. Right. But, but yeah, this was our first official. So how does that happen? Do you get a phone call and say, hey... We got a phone call from uh, a friend of ours who um, is a dancer for like Beyonce and, and everybody. And he said that a friend of mine is casting director and he's looking for gay couples uh, who want to get married for a TV show. Right. And we're like, huh? you don't know what TV like, show. No, it could be some, us. it could be some crazy it thing. It could have been, yeah, any crazy yeah. thing. And he asked if uh, the guy could call us or whatever. Or he gave the guy our information. So the casting director got in contact with us. And was saying, um, you know, it was we're very vague. Yeah, they very, couldn't tell us anything. Like we're we're producing this wedding. We're looking for gay couples. We're looking it's for people be who could also, yeah, and live television over. They, they were trying to sell. It's not cheesy. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, didn't trust I can't it. tell you what it is, but you're really going to want this. But I didn't trust it. Quincy and I are, are reality TV producers, so we were, right. we were just very skeptical. I was like, it's I like, know, we I know how producers work, work in this right. world. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be put in front of that camera and that's sad to say because right. I put other people in front of that camera right but you know I feel like that I do so with integrity we do it with yeah <laughs> we do it with great integrity but we do know the we do but know you know the, the world of it yeah. I know the world of it yeah. and, and this is a wedding this is something that is important uh, socially important historically important and if I can't and be certain important. that you are going to uh, handle it handle it correctly and and I'm not going to be on something that's going to be... And it's your wedding. Every year on your anniversary, you want to look back and say, that was great. Not like, wow, we got screwed. Right, right. right. So we we were like, well, 
we can't commit until we know more. And then he's like, well, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. We signed it. And then they said, it's the Grammys. We're like, oh. And as it was exciting still scary, as though. it was, it still was, but for what? <laughs> yeah. And for whom? <laughs> like, is it Lady Gaga? You know? Because I know... Could be Steven Tyler. Exactly. You know? I'm like, I'm not going to be a part of... You know, if she comes out wrapped in bacon, I don't want to be. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's just right. still there's even as as you don't you want know, to be a prop for Lady a Gaga, a prop for anybody's right. gimmick, right? Um, we love it Lady has to Gaga. be taken right. seriously, right? But you know what? I mean, you know, it could have, you know, but it, it could have been, been that thing with the egg, and yeah, you, you yeah. don't know what's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing with the egg, oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so one of my, I used to work on Fashion Police. and one of my favorite jokes that I ever wrote on that show was the year that Lady Gaga showed up with the egg. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had the dancers. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those, we had to stay up all night writing jokes. And Joan Rivers, and and the joke came up with Joan Rivers saying, you know, she goes, you know, I was supposed to be one of her dancers in that. But I got <laughs> fired at the last rehearsal when I raised my hand and said, does anybody else think this is bullshit? <laughs> but imagine Joan saying that. Anyway, whenever I think of the egg, I think of that moment. I'm very proud of it. Oh, Joan Rivers was a classic, man. But, uh. So you find out it's Grammys. Find then out you're it's thinking, Grammys. Okay, we recommended um, two of our best friends because they asked if we knew any other ones. Because what they're looking for are people that might be getting married soon, that have been yes. together, that have been considering yeah. it, that just haven't pulled the trigger. Yeah, right. and they wanted it to be diverse. You know, so they they were definitely looking for African American males, and they asked if we knew anybody else. So we recommended our best friends, um, choreographer Jamal Sims and designer Octavia. Sims. What, what was the my name? Terry, Terry Sims. Sims. The Terry Sims. Um, so they, they got did it as well. They did yeah. it as well. So all of us would meet together, all four of us, and try to figure out what the hell this was really about. Like, and, yeah. and how long before do you know? Like a week before? It was like a week before we found okay. it. We figured it out. They never we told fi- us. We figured it out because we're insiders. And right. And you know the, the big artists of the moment and yeah. what the songs are. And that, and we, yeah, that that we just kind of figured out on our own because we were like, well, Gaga doesn't have... Because I'm thinking, who who is uh, for gay rights and gay marriage Who's an artist that will be performing at the Grammys? Who's hot right now? Who's hot right, right now? now? And Gaga had her. She didn't have an album out that year, so we realized it's, it's same love. It's Malcolm Moore, but we didn't know who was marrying us. And they all also told us that there was another person involved who was legendary. So of course, when you like, say legendary, like, you're like, okay, Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> was that your first person? That was our first. She was of yeah. the first three because you yeah. like you got Cher, right? You got Madonna. Um, you know, we're just thinking remember. of like the the biggest Elton John. Elton yeah. John. You're thinking of like the biggest gay icons. Gay yeah. icons, right. and we knew it had to be one of them. Right. Um, and we figured out it's got to be Madonna, but we didn't know anything about Queen Latifah. That was a complete surprise. And Queen Latifah, who actually read the vows? Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah. Latifah. She married us. It's she she actually our certificate. Uh, it's Dana Owens or Queen Dana, Latifah? Dana, Dana Owens. Dana Owens. Yeah. I find that ironic. Yeah. Do you? That it was Queen Latifah? What? <laughs> the, the, uh, or, or, uh, what's it like to have Queen Latifah marry you? <laughs> well, for me it was cool. Well, the, the, I admire her very much. I think I, she's yeah, cool. I, I love Queen Latifah. Her. I met Queen Latifah through our friends, the Terry Sims. They're really good friends with Queen Latifah because Jamal choreographed her in Hairspray right. and a lot of her other projects. So they were friends. So that was a really great moment for them. 
because they got married by one of their friends. Their friends, that's awesome. And rumor has it, family rumor has it, unconfirmed that Queen Latifah is my cousin. So I've grown up knowing that Feeling she's... a connection. She's supposedly yep. one of my family members um, through my dad's side, which are the Owens. Right. So, And my, my real last name should be Owens, right. but it's not. Um, so for me, it was kind of poetic and cool... That this woman, who was possibly my cousin, we haven't been able to confirm that, right. uh, still signed my wedding certificate with the last name that is really my That's really cool. last name. So I thought that was I thought that was all kind of poetic and cool. But she's a great she's a great person. We met. Did her you at did you did you get to have a moment with them afterwards or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, we had a lot of moments with Queen Latifah. Uh, the, uh, Macklemore, we didn't get to see. Some of the couples got to see him prior to, but we got there late. That was, right. a, that was a very scary day for us. We got there late. Remember, we were rushing and we couldn't find the park. And all these streets were closed off. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was Oh, my God. Like it's like a the, movie. I don't remember seeing him after the wedding. I never said that. I said, no, I know you didn't. Oh, I'm, oh. I'm just saying... No, I said we never Did saw someone him. say he No, he never came back. He came before, but we were late, so we didn't he came back oh. and visit. A he lot of the couples before. got a couple pictures with him, but we never got to meet Matt right. before. Um, and uh, the girl that sang with him also came back. Once. I forget her yes, name. She did. She uh, did came back. Is it Mary? Mary Lambert. Mary Lambert. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and what about Madonna? No. No. She's in and out. She's in and out. She, she talked to us from the stage. She, what yeah, she yeah. did tell us <laughs> that cane, she, that cane she, and that Pecos Bill. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, but it's a funny thing. During rehearsal, she was so gorgeous. She, she came out in a, in a gown, gown, a beautiful, gorgeous, flowing gown. And I was like, oh my! I mean, almost it to the was, point where I was a little emotional. I was like, this is really happening. And she sang really good during rehearsal. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. And she was, and she was dressed. Beautifully, like Madonna looked great. She looked great, she looked great, and I thought, wow, you know, I I got to see during rehearsal just how big, big this, this moment was, was going to be, and how seriously people were actually taking, taking it. it. Yeah, um, just the set design was gorgeous. The way that, you know, with the LED lights and the arches certainly turned into a chapel. Um, it was stunning. It was kind of breathtaking. She told us and during rehearsal, she looked down at all of us. She said, I love you guys. You guys are some brave motherfuckers. That's <laughs> what so she said. And I quote. Oh, I love that. So she said that to us. And then yeah. she came out the night of in her cowboy pimp suit. With and Kate. all of us were like, what is that? What Her hair was we were so, so moved by the way she looked at her, all of us. We were like, look at Madonna. She looks like a princess. She, did, she looked unreal. Right. She was more about the the, the moment. The, the moment. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. the shtick. Yeah. And two things happened for me that were two lifelong dreams. One, when I was a kid, I was, I'm still, a, look, Madonna's, she's, yeah. a, she's a goddess. She's, she's his history. I'm with you. And um, I just remember when I was a kid, I used to, like, mowing the lawn, and I would see, like, a limo drive by our house or something, and I would think, that's Madonna, and she's going to put me in the limo, and she's going to take, take me, me away from me. the Midwest, <laughs> and I'm going to be in the next Truth and Dare. <laughs> I, um, I made this short film with a couple of friends called If We Took a Holiday, and I'll send you the link. And it's about, my friend Nadia does this spot on Madonna impersonation. So I, I play myself and she plays herself. And it's my birthday, I just got dumped. 
so my friend's going to pretend to be Madonna all day. Uh-huh. And at one point, I say to her, he goes, I used to have this fantasy that you would just drive by me in your limo and, and pick me up because you thought I was cool. Exactly. Uh-huh. Have you ever done that? And she goes, not with a Caucasian. <laughs> but it's, that's, we have the same fantasy as that one, which I think was actually inspired by my friend Glenn, who, who uh, worked on the film as well and directed it. And we all have that. I think we all have that thing of we want Madonna what to be our Madonna friend. Madonna to be our friend. And she then, would get us. She would think we were cool, even right. if all of if, these uh, people, people don't. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Exactly she, she was that person for me. That's amazing. And then years later, uh, somebody asked us if we were going to get married or something. And then I posted just a silly photo as a cover on Facebook. And it's a picture of me and him at a waterfall up in the canyons. And he's looking one direction, and I'm looking the other. And I have a caption. And my caption says, I wonder if... Beyonce will perform at my wedding. And his caption is, who does he think is going to pay for all of this? <laughs> um, and that was just a joke. Right. Years prior, like a few years prior to it. And who opened the Grammy? <laughs> Beyonce. So, so Beyonce sang at my wedding. So That's... I'm like, you know, you got to put it out there. <laughs> I didn't quite get in that limo with Madonna, but she came out she with that pimp cane. <laughs> and, you know, Beyonce cut her hair and got wet and spun around in a chair Am at I? my wedding. So, you know. Did gotta... you... The, the sequel. Wait, if we were to watch it now, I'm played back. Is there a lot of... Did you get a lot of camera time? Did we you get did. a fair we, amount? We, we, we got, got a I wouldn't say amount. a lot, but we got a fair amount considering there was 33 of us and I probably... 33 couples. 33 couples and I think maybe only about seven or eight of us got any camera time at all. So I was thankful and the thing, the good thing about working in the business in reality TV and being somebody's boss sometimes is the choreographers for the number had actually worked for us on America's Best Dance Crew. And so they were like, DeAndre Quincy, come up in the front. Yeah, we're going to put you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they put us yeah. in, like, prime... Prime position. You know, position. And then Jamal and Octavius were also, you know, friends with production. And right. so... Yeah, and we, we did get a little... You're, you're little getting married, you're looking at each other, you're at the Grammys, and there are famous people around. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> so, um, we're facing each other. Behind DeAndre is... I can't even tell you the amount, everybody, but the person that I made eye contact with was Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney Holy and his shit. wife. So I'm standing there and Paul McCartney, and I'm thinking to myself, don't cry, don't cry, because I didn't want to, you know, we, we had said we're not going to do the breakdown and have the ugly the cry ugly face, cry. <laughs> right. and we're trying to keep it together, and Paul McCartney is welling up in tears, and his wife is boohooing. And then Paul McCartney puts his hand over his heart and he bows to me. Why did he do that? So that's when, when he, he did crying. that. I just broke down. And so he, he starts crying. Me. So I have to look past him. So I won't go there. And when I look past <laughs> him, there's Katy Perry behind him with tears, <laughs> like bloody, bloodshot, red eyes, going. And her, her, you can't see DeAndre's face, but he has his his <laughs> hands like in a prayer pose in front of her mouth, his mouth, and you could just see Katy Perry doing yes, it. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And she was like quivering. I was like, oh my gosh! And so I start crying. Right. And her, her, uh, this writer, her songwriter, her songwriter and, and producer, who's a, uh, I looked her up after the fact. I was like, oh my gosh! And this is the woman that took my video. She's taking the video of us doing our vows because that didn't get on camera. So. How we got that particular video was from Katy Perry and her oh, thieves. So the, the actual wedding, 
Your wedding videography was, was the, Katy Perry's person. Exactly. Yes. Was it Bonnie McKee? Bonnie McKee. Yes, it was Bonnie McKee. Bonnie McKee. She's yes. guested on Fashion Police. And yes. She's a great songwriter. Yes. yes. She's amazing. Yes. Bonnie I, McKee. I talked to her because I was a huge fan of that album, but uh, particularly that song Teenage Dream. I just yes. thought it was perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and a, I said, that is a perfect pop song. And she goes, thank you, because we worked so hard on that. We rewrote that over and over. Like, she really yeah. went into, like, how every, how hard it was to sort of get it to that point. So that's... I was a huge... The, I always tell he's him... He's a huge I'm uh, a Katy, Katy Perry, Perry fan, fan, but in the... Clo- I'm a closeted Katy Perry fan, because I feel like I'm too old. <laughs> I'm too... <laughs> I'm way I'm older too, than you when I, I was at that yeah, big concert. Right. I, I went like, by myself. <laughs> See... And I every but I, everything that she's ever put out, I've liked, and I've always like like cutting it on and like playing it again. I'm like, what is this? Is are you a Katy Perry fan? Yeah, it's so and catchy. So, so she was there quivering, and then her friend and Bonnie, Bonnie, you Bonnie the was crying, and then Bonnie turned the camera on herself, and yeah. Katy really quick, and they were crying, and then um, that's how we got the video. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we wrote her. We wrote her. How did we find out that uh, it was Bonnie? I think. Somebody shared it. So, yeah, somebody shared it on social media. I think Bonnie shared it on Bonnie social media. Bonnie shared it. it somehow it went viral. Yeah. Is it out there if people want to look for it? Yeah. 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 Okay. It right. went viral. What would I look we, for? You named her. It's just uh, us. It's, uh, oh, you said what? What, what would it, If I were to search on Google for that video. Probably Grammy wedding. Grammy maybe? wedding. I put out a little edited video of the wedding and I included it because I got permission from Bonnie to use her footage and I included that. Nice piece in there, so it's. But Bonnie's is still out there too. Yeah. That's All how right. we found I'm out gonna, it was. It's there. Instagram. She Instagrammed it. All right, yeah. good Instagram video. Um, I love it. Um, so you're the, the. Let's get back to the. Oh, here's my follow. Weddings usually have a reception. When you get married at the Grammys, do you uh, do something for your friends and family on another day, or what do you do? No, you get it. You get a VIP invite to, to the, the Grammy party. Damn straight. Party. We're gonna have cake in a few weeks. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> It was amazing. I'll, I'll catch up with you when I come down from right. Sir Paul McCartney's island. Right. It was amazing. The the bad thing was that our best friends were having their wedding reception right after right. that the, night. The Terry Sims had had actually had thrown a wedding reception. reception. So night. we were trying to do. We were trying to get it all in. So we went right. to the after party, and I was so sad because by the time we got to the reception, it was basically over because they they had to they had to do it really really quick. And right. also, what happened made us made us miss their reception was because we had to, we had to wait um, for Queen Latifah to come sign and our sign our uh, c- certificates. certificates. Mm-hmm. And they left early to get to their reception. But it's lucky. Be- they were lucky because Queen was going to their reception she could to sign, sign, she it. Could sign it. Oh. So they were fine. So they were fine. So they got it. there and then we had to wait for that whole process and then take pictures. Now had I known that's the way it was going to work, we would have went right away with them. Right. I would have went with them. Yeah. Did you love what you were wearing? I did. I did. I did. Yeah, it was I hard did. though. Whoa, we had such you a know. hard time figuring it out before. Did the, the Grammy people add no? They didn't care, right? As long no. as they looked. Well, nice. see, this Gosh. is the thing. That's the other thing. So when they first pitched it to us, they pitched this big, bright idea: you'll be picked up in a limo. We'll dress you. Uh, there'll yes. be a wedding reception. There'll be cake. And I was like, "What?" Uh, that was that was they the were selling point for. They were basically paying for your wedding. Yeah. And so as it got closer. I don't know, maybe it was Macklemore's label. It was like, we can't afford this. And so every time we talked to them again, another bonus was taken off. Yeah. 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 We're going to, val- you get valet parking. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. get to come to uh, the Grammy <laughs> And we didn't get, yeah. we didn't even get that. Food. No, we didn't even get They didn't even park. have us like a special wedding cake at the Grammy party. I, I thought at least 
a cake. They would have had. So you never a had a cake where you did the cake pose. We did it with the little desserts off. We of had the cupcakes. <laughs> All right, there you go. So um, you're. We still you're, haven't had a wedding cake, didn't we? We had a wedding cake. Yeah, my cousin, cousin brought, us, bought us a cake my for. Cool. Uh, a, a, we had a little. Thank you, Charles. So yeah, talk to me about your reality reality TV work. You did America's Best Dance Crew. We did America's Best shit. Dance Crew, the sing-off. You did the Justin Bieber roast. Justin Bieber roast. roast. How does that happen? Well, How we, do you get we, that gig? We were the um, interstitial producers for that right. show. Okay. So all of the funny stuff you saw when they were in their trailers... Behind stage, we did all of that. Um, so you didn't have the tough negotiations of putting the whole show together. No, no. making sure that he's gonna, you know, he wants to do it. And da-da-da. no, no, we no. were in charge of him when he got off stage. We we're in charge of everything. So there was two the production right. teams. There was yeah. the stage production team, and then there was the off stage. What's your favorite memory of working on that, or the craziest memory? Oh God, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg was amazing. Okay. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> um, Snoop Dogg leaving his trailer in a cloud of smoke. smoke. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what you would write right. if you were going to write it. It yes. was it was so thick, right? Yeah. That when the door opened, it looked like a fire had been set off in the trailer, and it remained pickled with marijuana long after he was gone. They had to open all the windows and the door, and you would walk past the trailer and you get contact high. But he was the nicest. Nicest guy. Um, guy, and so was and uh, so Luda- was Ludacris. Uh, um, the oh gosh, what is her name? The comedian? No. Oh, oh gosh, yes, of course. Uh, the Martha Stewart. I, Martha, Martha, Martha Stewart, Stewart was funny. She as was the she best. Was so freaking nice. We had so nice. much fun with her. Oh, cool. I thought I that so out of all of the stars there, she was going to give me the problems. Right. Because I'm like, it's Martha Stewart. Right. She does not fuck around. Right. Yeah, right. No, Martha no. didn't have an entourage. No, she was so she invited us everywhere. She was just the sweetest lady, and I was like, "Oh my god, like, you guys get guys, such a bad this. rap. Come get this, come get this." Like she gets such a horrible rap, and she's not that. She person. killed she's it not, on that road. She's so funny. Like her jokes were so funny, and she just fucking owned up. Yeah, yeah. She's, so she was amazing. She was mm-hmm. amazing. She was. Yeah, she was. Kevin Hart is amazing. Yeah. Another one. We have. You know, he's on top of the world right now, and he still maintains this really great, approachable. Uh, personality and this humility. Mm-hmm. Somebody that I had on the podcast, and I can't even remember who it was, was in a gay bowling league and said that Kevin Hart was was played on their league for a long time. He wasn't gay, but he was always playing in their league and like they loved him and he was a crack He's that guy. He's yeah. that guy. Yeah. He's he has none of that stuff. He has yeah. he has no stuff. He's just he does, he loves people. He loves what he's doing. He's thankful that he's in the right. position that he's in. He's just perfectly adjusted human being. And I thought again one of the ones I might have we might have problems with Nothing. Awesome. He, he, nothing. No, not a single problem. Bieber? Bieber, Bieber? But Bieber warmed up to us later. But when he first got there, he, he was, was probably not, freaked but out. But we worked with Bieber three different times. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was on America's Best Dance Crew. Right. Uh, we produced a Disney series where we were the producers uh, on that show. Um, um, Shake It Up Dance Off. Right. Um, and he came as a special guest to surprise our kids. Right on. So we, you know, we worked with him and funny thing is he was really he was pleasant the kids. He and loved the great kids. with the kids. He was right. really awesome and gave them a whole tour of the Staples Center where his dressing room was. You know, he, he was very gracious. Um, 
I think America's Best Dance Crew, he was pretty still new and pretty young and a little immature. A little cocky. Cocky and immature. He's a kid. He's a really right. kid. But I definitely have seen um, the three times that we've worked with him, uh, has seen him kind of grow up. Right. That's good. Um, in a good way. In a good way. Right. You know. But, you know, he was still the Beebs. He's still the Beebs. There's a lot that goes with being the Beebs. Exactly. It's exactly. not easy being the Beebs. <laughs> he's a cutie, though. Yeah. He really is a cute kid. Uh, well, he's a young man now, so. And you worked on Cocktails with Chloe. You were yes. part of the Kardashian. You were in the Kardashian. Yes. The Hurricane Our Kardashian. last show <laughs> was uh, we were um, two of the lead producers on Cocktails with Chloe. So that was our baby. Um Yes, we worked really hard to get that show into shape, and it was a. We had such a good time on that show. That's why it's so sad that it's over. Right. Um, I kind of. I never saw it. I saw clips of it, and I thought, oh, this looks kind of cool. Yeah, it was cute. I mean, it was. Yeah. So we're trying to do something new, trying to do something off the beaten path, and unfortunately, creative minds just could not agree on where we wanted to take the right. show and ultimately everybody was just like, well, let's just finish this season out and go out with a bang and call it. And trust me, Chloe's not bothered by it whatsoever because that woman has so many She's, things yeah. in, you know, so many irons in the, yeah. in the Dave got, whatever you call yeah. it. Chris Jenner is a genius. Yeah. Chris oh, yeah. Jenner and watching her work is kind of amazing. I remember yeah. when we took the job and we were asked to do it, I was first of all flattered and then I started to think, I start to research the Kardashians because I'm I'm old. I don't know that. Right. I know they're in the the atmosphere. I know right. a little. You bit. You can't escape. You can't escape it. You know, but I didn't know that much. But... And then when I started doing research, I was like, Oh, do I want to do this? And what I was so ple- when I when I finally got to meet her, mm-hmm. I understood that there's the Kardashians, the brand, the brand, and, and then there's, there's the people. people. Right, and she is, and I'm definitely now team uh, Chloe. I'm I team Chloe. Love, I I fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. I felt I couldn't help it. I just I was like, and I and I understood, I understood the difference. There's the brand, and then there's the people, and I understand everything that's happening over here is for a reason. It's for it's for it's a business, right? And then it didn't just happen by accident. No, they didn't just get lucky. No, 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 there's no. a lot of. No. Uh, Work and hours. A lot of strategy. I also learned the genius of the Kardashians. Yes. They are geniuses. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have so much respect for you now. Right. Like, uh, you know, I. You just. It, but you, you can the, build that kind of empire if you show right. up late all the time. No. Right? The if you brand dick, makes like, you oh. look like, hey, you know, you guys did this, your sister did a sex tape, and, right. and you guys partied with a bunch of famous people, and oh, now, now you're famous. you have right. this, this, that, this, this, and that. That's it's such like, a demotion of who they actually are. No, her mother actually turned, and uh, you know, something that could have been a, you know, a, a destructive incident in the family's life, and turned it into an empire. Yeah, it's pretty big and deal. And that takes a lot uh, to do. So. so yeah, we had a really good we had a really good time with her. She was always humble and sweet and funny. And were there real cocktails? Yes, yes, they were real cocktails. No, they, with, were, with, they, were they were drunk. Cocktails they were with a K. 
Cocktails yes. with a K. Cocktails yeah. with a K. Chloe started at the, it, towards our the middle, middle, middle to the last of the season. She starts telling us, "I can't drink. I can't keep drinking like this." Yeah, <laughs> like, it's I, like you gotta make like, me. You gotta make me something. Really something. Like, can I we call this mocktails? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. You know, I gotta. She's like, I can't. Keep I can't up do with this. People. Yeah. She's like, oh no, That's I, I, I need to host a show. I can't be tipsy. Well, that was fun. That that was one of the most, um, you know, because that was a talk show, which was different from. All of the other shows that we have produced in the past, which were all competition, yeah, you know, big stage competition shows. We did ABC's Family Dance Off. Um, so this was a, a different format for us, right? And it was fun. I liked it. You know, I, really, I, I liked, liked it a I lot. Liked, it's more contained. I liked right? writing. Yeah. I like sitting behind a desk and writing all day. Yeah, and writing a show and booking guests and all that. That was it was the most cush job I think writing ever jokes had. trying to find stories making um, games we were Parker Brothers yeah we pretty much <laughs> spent the first few months writing and creating over a hundred games right on, on that we never got to play you know what five of them there'll be other shows where they were like do you have any games and you're like funny so enough I got, I got a whole yeah. damn library yeah. what's, what's up for you guys next um Next well, right question. now we are focusing on um, promoting the Chatwick Journals, which um, we're using as another um, kind of Kickstarter campaign. Not a, not a Kickstarter campaign, but a right. kickstart using right. this show to um, raise, uh, funds. raise funds to continue the DL Chronicles. And um, I know, like you said, it's something that we haven't been able to let go of. And in part, we don't feel like we ever got to tell all the stories we wanted to tell within the short amount of time that we were on the air. And we have all of these stories written, and we have this fan base that continues to grow because of uh, the advent of social media and YouTube and everything. So this whole new generation of, you know, gay and lesbian young people online who are discovering this show that came out in 2007... Um, and they're like, what is this? Oh, my gosh. Was this on TV? Why isn't this on TV? We want right. more of it. You know, we got like over a million views now. of um, On YouTube. On YouTube. Three million. Three million. Three million in, in total. But I was, well, it was one, one, one of them. Was, I was like That's amazing. So people yeah. are obviously telling their friends and they're sharing it and they're watching and it. International, it's in, yeah. And it was an international success. Um, it's in textbooks. It's in human sexuality textbooks. Right on. Used it in the University of Berlin. It was used as uh, to teach. Won the GLAAD Award in 2007. It was just like something that took on a life and we feel like as much as we were like, okay, we are doing other stuff too. Just so right. that our fans know, we're not going to just keep doing the DL Chronicles, and that's it. But um, I think the idea now is basically to take that audience and while we have their attention and kind of give them more content. Yeah. And we're just we're going to start it online, start small because really not small anymore the way online works. Right. Start there and just and just build from there. Um, the, the the goal is to actually. In the meanwhile, you know, like like we did with going direct to DVD, and if something comes along along the way, great. Right. Um, it would be great to be on Netflix. It would be great to be on Amazon. Right. Um, it would be great to be possibly even be on YouTube Red, which is, you know, just launched. But meanwhile, we will continue to uh, move forward independently because there's also a possibility that we could corner that market online and create a self-sustaining like a um, show that you know, people rent, the money's going to production. We can right. continue to produce. You could do your own sort we of self-contained. Right. Thing. Yeah, we could we could do yeah. that. Um, 
So we're we're moving in that direction, but we're open to taking getting meetings. out of the DL stratosphere, getting more into like where we are now as a community. Yeah, because yeah. things have changed a lot yeah. since the, the first one. I mean, yeah, yeah. and I, also with President Obama, yeah. first African American president, but he's done more for gay gay rights than any president ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's probably had a huge effect on yeah on uh, whenever whenever the Obamas mention anything gay, I cry. Like that. It's not even, it's visceral. <laughs> Michelle's giving a speech. No matter who you love, I'm like, boom. It's almost like, it's like our parents, it's, it's like the father of our, it's validation, but it isn't even, I, it's not even I have to think about it. It yeah. is like that. I will cry. Oh my yeah. gosh. I think I want to cry. From Selma to Stonewall, no- I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. November, I'm going to boo because I'm like, oh, oh no. brother, I know. The end of an era. Now, have you had the same actor playing Chadwick the whole time? Yes. Yes. He's mm-hmm. terrific. Thank you. Thank you. I really Damon, like him. Damien Tufik Raven. Tufik Raven. And I like that he writes sometimes in his underwear. Yeah, that's on yeah, purpose. You know, yeah, you know, because you, know, you, know, you just want to be free to yeah. create. You, wanna, you don't want any clothes keeping no, your thoughts. No impediment. No. I love him because he's always so gracious Keep about it. Da- Damien has yes. never been body conscious. He's always been just very like, yeah. He's, we've never had to coax him to, to be in his undies. Well, he's always he became great. I, he one also, of our best He also can, can do that. He does that writer thing. He has that... He has the intelligence yeah. where you really yeah, believe that yeah. he's thinking about all this stuff and he's writing. And he is a stuff. thinker. He, yeah. I mean, that that is his real personality. He's, very, yeah, he's got a really. He's 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 got always a lot of thinking and. All right, you pick some questions from the instru- uh, the. Um, I forgot what it's called. Observation deck, mm-hmm. and so we're just going to burn through a bunch of these because okay. uh, we've okay. been talking for quite a while. What movie have you seen more than any other? Uh, ooh, uh, the color purple. Right on. Yeah. Okay. What does your family think of your success? Um, gosh, they don't understand how um, we can be successful and broke at the same time. <laughs> Welcome to L.A. Yeah. Welcome to Hollywood. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. weird. They don't how, understand you do that it thing, it's on TV. Yeah. Well, like, you're in Paris, and why you're don't you just here, talk, you're there. Why don't you, you just you? talk to Denzel Washington? Like, they think it's... Yeah. Why don't you just call Oprah, is what we get. Yeah. If, if just call easy. Oprah. Or just call Tyler Perry, and I'm like... If Pick up that the phone. Easy. Yeah, exactly. Who would you like to collaborate with professionally? Steven Spielberg. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. I love him. You he love does. him. All right. That's what. That's what's your favorite Spielberg movie? Color Purple. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah maybe. I would, mine would be Baz Luhrmann. Right. I can't wait for his, his oh, series. Oh, what is it called? The Get the, Down. The, something about the seventies. Yeah. I watched Strictly Ballroom like two nights ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good, but it was so audacious. Like, how did he have the confidence to, to know that that would shoot work. like that? And to yeah. anyway, it's so great. Uh, do you collect anything? Cousins. You collect cousins? Yes. Elephants. Elephants and cousins. Cousins. I'm into uh, genealogy, genealogy and ancestry. Oh, right on. So, bunch of Did DNA you do the testing. stuff online? Have you done 23andMe? I've done all of them. <laughs> what Should I do 23andMe? Do I learn much? Uh, it's the thing where you send in your spit and you, you learn. That I mean, it, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for medical information, 23andMe possibly is, is better because that's yeah. really their focus. Right. Um, whereas... Ancestry is secondary, right? Um, I mean, not that ancestry, but genealogy is right. secondary. Who's, who was your great grandfather? No, right. No, yeah. you can't find any of that out there. Right. right. You can just find out who's related to you, what your ethnicity. Yeah, is I don't even know where my family comes from. I really oh, don't. Wow. Yeah, you can find all that out through Twenty Three and Me yeah. Ancestry dot com. If you're looking for both, uh, you know, ethnicity, and then you're also trying to find out who the hell your grandparents were. Right. What's then, the craziest thing you learned about a relative? 
this. The craziest thing I've learned yeah, that I that I descend from a lot of royal family. Nice. Yeah. Um, that my thirty something great grandfather is Charlemagne. Right on. <laughs> Did you ever rub that in his face? When yes. He's like all the time. Yes. Right. No, there's a lot of royal. Do we family. have to have the cloth napkins tonight? <laughs> I was told I about was royal. <laughs> so, it was a royal pain in the ass. <laughs> that's cool. All right. Yeah. What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? Because you both were actors. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot! My pants fell down. What were you, how old were you and where were you? I was about 21 at the DuSable Museum Theater in Chicago. And I had a, it was a play where I played two characters and I had a quick change. Right. And so I had to put like these baggy pants over the right. like fitted clothes underneath because it was a quick change. And because I had a pair of pants on under the pants, I couldn't feel... That the pants were falling. So you didn't even down. know that they were. I didn't even know the pants were falling down, and the audience was laughing as I was exiting, but my pants were dropping. Right. At least you um, weren't like naked. No, 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 no. And it happened as my character was exiting. Making, yeah. But it was, you know, everybody still saw it, and they thought it was hilarious. And they so. teach you. Yes, that was. Where's the weirdest place you've ever seen your own image? Um, the weirdest place in Paris. My own image. Yeah. Oh, my own image. The weirdest place. Um, well, this on is the Ellen weird. show. <laughs> Were you guys on the Ellen show? They cooked an image. Our image when we from the wedding. Oh, right on. That's kind of cool. Crying. Of me crying. I love the it. ugly cry. The ugly cry on her big screen behind her. That's kind of nice. That was that was kind of weird at the same time because I yeah. wanted to be on the Ellen show, but not but in not, that capacity. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best what time? Yours? Best time you ever had in a limo? Oh. Uh, I have no limo uh, uh, A turnaround trip to Vegas with director oh, yeah. um, Anthony, Anthony Hemingway. Um, we had a stretched limo. No, it was actually it was a, a party bus. It was a party bus limo. Right on. And um, we got on there with a bunch of professionals uh, from lawyers, doctors, teachers, directors, writers, and it had a stripper pole. And, and what happened? Did people patrol started being shared? Right. And by the time we got to Vegas, we had all been giving each other lap dances and on stripper poles. And uh, we came back the next day, all asleep in each other's laps. And we got off in bright daylight. At the same time, it felt like like it didn't. Did that even happen? It felt like what it was didn't the occasion? Happen. It was a birthday party. Oh, right on. Okay. What's the most bullshit thing a suit has ever said to you? Mm. Mm. Um, the most kids I see <laughs> do you ever give you those talks if well, nothing comes was, to mind that's okay there was one and I won't say where but uh, we we came in to uh, pitch some other film projects that they, they wanted to work right. with us and as we were describing an urban version of a film or, or no as not as we were, but as we were pretty much being pitched, this is the story that we want you guys to direct and tell. Right. Um, they started like being really, really stereotypical. Right. And I started getting really, really uncomfortable <laughs> and angry. What, is this the shit they were saying? It was the shit they were saying, but it, it was so over... It was, it was almost like a spoof. Like, like it was almost SNL like... Spoof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I couldn't believe that they, they were saying it because they just were completely oblivious to just how... How they were coming like, off. How they were coming off. And I said... And they were like, um, yeah, it should be like, you know, my great big fat Greek wedding, but it's black. Right. And I said, yeah, and we should spell the, you know, the big fat with a... And they said, he said, yeah, P-H-A-D. Right. And I was completely just, You're just fucking being, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said it, and DeAndre's like kneeing me, like shut up. Yeah. Because I'm being facetious right now. Right. So that was that it's was. Suffice it to say, that didn't move forward. It didn't move forward. It didn't. We're going in another direction. <laughs> no, yeah, it didn't move forward. But he didn't even realize that I was just like fucking, fucking with him. him. <laughs> uh, what's the pet peeve of those meetings? Is there something that they a, bu- a button they push every time or a note that they hit, and you're like, fuck. Well, I, I think the biggest thing for me is just always pigeonholing us into what they think we should be doing. Right. It's like you you come in with this project that's obviously bigger than this, and then it always turns back into an urban drama. And it's like not that we're against urban dramas, but we this is, film was much bigger than this when we brought it into the room, and now you've whittled it down back to a guy in the hood story. Yeah. So it's that kind of stuff. Um, that's what's more because you come in as you come in as black people black directors you they assume yeah. we want to do black projects and we do but we don't want them to be ghettoized every time so it's right. like they're bigger the stories are bigger than and we want to tell i mean we're directors and storytellers so we want to tell stories right um and and that doesn't always mean that we want to tell stories from this particular perspective we don't always tell gay stories we don't always right. tell uh, black stories um we want to tell stories that move us and i started behind the scenes in animation long before we became directors and I went through a process of pitching to Nickelodeon, to Disney, to Class B Chupo, to all of these different companies and there was one particular company um, that was a production company that produced some really really popular cartoons that loved my project and wanted me to come in and pitch it to like their executives. I This was a white cartoon. Right. I could pull out the board for you right now to show you all the characters. Right. This giant, like, four-foot presentation board with beautiful, colorful cutouts of the characters. And even though that cutout was sitting on the conference room table as I'm describing each character, and they're looking at the same thing I'm right. looking at. And this is Bob, and this is, you know, whatever. This is Sally, this is Bob, right. this is, you know, right. Bob Joe, or whoever the characters were. And... The, what the what came out of the woman's mouth was something about how is this urban? Right, and you're like, it's not. It's, it's not, not urban. It's not like. Uh, did you not hear? Uh, okay, yeah. Wow. So we kind of walked away. Me and my producer, co-producer at the time, we kind of walked away from that meeting. Like, did you? Did you just? Did that just happen? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. What do so you do? That it's hard, though, you know, because you, you know, there's all, we're always there's saying. There's no excuses for there's that. There's always this thing where we're always asking for more stuff of people of color. Yeah, but if and you so I think bring the idea, that in, then that's what I think you're the idea in. is that the people behind the, the desk is like, well, I'm going to give you this opportunity to make more stuff of color. And then, and at the same time as the creator, you're like, I just want you to know that this is not all I do. I get which I get why you're saying this, but right. this is not all that I do. And I think that's the problem is because of because of that and that consciousness and that sensitivity, people are they relegate you to that. 
and they don't even they see you, past like they it. can't even see a white yeah, yeah, character they can't. on the board. No, no, no. Like it's literally no. right in front of them. They get right. sort of blinded but by it. But if it was right. reversed, right. it wouldn't be the same because you would be able to walk in and pitch anything. Right. Regardless of what the you know, if you wanted to do a Asian film, a black right. film, a Latino film, it'd be fine. Nobody right. would think twice about it. Yeah. Just a white guy with with interest with some broad interests. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's the most famous person you've ever been in an elevator with? Tom Cruise. Really? Where? So I used to work at That's this right. place. I used to work at this place. I was a, 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 a shoot, a, a shoot. The, the company that created e-commerce, basically. I used to work at a dot-com company. Ba- right way on. back in the day where dot-com companies were all in the thing. And right here on Magnolia and... What is that Moore, street? Moore Park. Moore Park is where his studios used to be in that little building right there, his, his production studios. And one night, really late after I was getting off work, I wasn't paying attention. I was, like, looking down at something and walked into the elevator. I didn't even really pay much attention to this guy who was really short, by the way. He was really short. I got into the elevator with him, and I, was, I knew they were in the building, but I'd never seen him. Right. And so it was just me and this guy and I'm going through my bags or whatever and I look up and I'm like oh my gosh it's me and Tom Cruise and he just I just looked at him he looked at me he was like hey what's up and I was like good he's like you're you're pulling late hours I was like yeah and I'm giving him this long explanation but he was totally hitting on you I'm I'm tripping all over myself because I'm real. I'm starstruck. And right. So it all came out like I was drunk. Like I'm. I'm like, oh. And so he walked out. And I'm like, oh, that was horrible. Why? That was the only thing I could think to say. So yeah, Tom Cruise. That's a good one, though. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a surprising time and place. It's yeah. not like you're at the Grammys and they hop in. Right. Um, we have a bunch more cards here, but let's just pick a couple. Oh, you picked this one. You want to talk about that? Mm, what was your lowest point professionally? Okay. Sometimes people get that card and they you can see their mind goes uh, in and they like put it on a... It's like, uh, no, give me a drink first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I like to talk about the ups and downs of this stuff because it's, uh, it's a part of it. Well, one thing I learned, there's a lot of humility you have to have because, you know, you, you get to a certain point in your career and you're used to getting... And you mm-hmm. know, and you're used to the front row, and you're used to the VIP, VIP, and don't stand in line. And then you learn very quickly out here. You're only hot when you're hot, and so when you you're the last to know when you're not hot anymore. <laughs> right. And you're still demanding all this stuff. Right. Like, we're not even demanding it. Just expect, it's expected. expected. Yeah. Treatment. And you know, you get to the club that that you thought you were in VIP, and they're like, asking you to wait in line. Wait in line, and you're like, oh, I thought. I, was, I thought I was on right. the. It was like, no, you are. You're on the flyer, but you know, you know, Lady Gaga's performing tonight, so you know that's really well, the, 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 the next oh, whatever it is. hotter, hotter person is now. So what I, you I, know, I've, I've, I've kind of compartmentalized and under, I understand that there are these ebbs and flows, and that I just have to be very. I can't let that shoulda, coulda, woulda stuff have an impact on where I think of what I think of my art personally because I'm right. still the same artist I'm still just as talented it just whatever forever my, the stuff that I have out right now just hasn't hit and right. that's okay or I don't have anything out at the or moment. I don't have anything out so and so but I I've, we learned very quickly how uh, fleeting <laughs> fame is we not that we were ever famous but respected sure but you're only respected as long as you're right. High. There are those. I look back on my career and I think, oh, there was a, you know, a moment where I, there was this agent that I was that I was working with. I had a couple novels and stuff, and I was like, 
And I was thinking, well, maybe I call them up and I'm like, no, I'm not in that place anymore. That yeah. wouldn't be the same. It would be yeah. like, mm-hmm. y- you know, you can't think that that moment when things were really clicking is going to carry right, over just because it's the same person. Right. Mm-hmm. No. It's weird. No. I'd say my lowest moment was, um, I always ask, so was that 2001? September 11th? Right. That was 2001. Um, was after years of shopping one of my animated series, one that I referred to earlier. Right. Uh, got a phone call from the Disney Channel, who we had already pitched to, and they had already passed on it, saying that they changed their demographics, and they wanted our show and wanted us to come back in and meet with them. So I was just like... Over the moon. Oh, over the moon. It was a childhood dream, because yes. I've been an artist since I was a little boy. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a cartoon on the Disney Channel. And we were poor. When I tell you, like, we were starving artists. Um, we were still acting at the same time. Right. I had just gotten dropped from Abrams Artist, so I didn't even have an agent anymore. Right. So, like, even acting-wise, like... Right shit was just going down the drain during that period and so right. this was just this ray of hope and it was a yes it was a, a yes when it was a, a yes. yes when you needed a yes exactly yeah. and then the meeting that they scheduled was uh supposed to be like september uh, 14th or the week after september 11th and then the trade towers were attacked and the whole industry and i'm just like was it was that 2001 2001 yeah. okay everything shut down so my meeting was canceled. Right. Nobody was taking meetings anymore. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is horrible. You know, America's being attacked just when I'm about to sell my first cartoon. Right. And then um, things came back around. They brought me in for a meeting. I had a showrunner, which was Ralph Farquhar, who was the executive producer, showrunner of Disney's most popular show at that time, which was The Proud Family. So right. I had him attached. I had a producer who had once been a creative exec at Disney. So I had the dream team. Right. And we walked in there and they were like, We love the show. We want it. Do you mind if it's done in, you know, um, uh, not 3D, in um, CGI? CGI. And I'm like, I don't care if you turn her into a puppet. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it was live action. Look, you know, yes. I, rem- <laughs> I remember when I was first coming up, I had this novel option, and it, the gay character, and I remember being like, if they ask me to like not gay, have it not be gay, I'm going to stick to my duns. And now I'd be like, he, you could be a, write me a check, he could be a skinhead. <laughs> I need that check to clear. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. You're like, yeah, yeah, make it a puppet. Fuck right. it. <laughs> so this Where's was my like, parking place? Right. Right before Thanksgiving, we didn't, when I tell you we were so broke at that right. time, we didn't. We were not going to have a great Thanksgiving, and we knew we were going to have a Charlie Brown Christmas. You remember that little Christmas tree that yes. Charlie Brown had with the little. You but know, when you twig? put a blanket on it, it yeah. turns into a really good tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we knew, but I kept thinking, this is the last shitty tree. Shitty tree we'll ever have. This is the last sad holiday we're going to have because come January, I'm signing this contract. My life is going to change. January came, didn't get a call. Waited, thought maybe it's just taking a while. Did, after the holidays, after the holidays, I, oh my god! February came. I have my own version of this. I think no I'm, call. I'm like, what's going on? So now I'm worried. I'm writing. Don't worry about it. You know they're slow sometimes. It's always hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. 
Uh, March came around and I hadn't heard anything and now I'm really panicking. And then I got a letter in the mail from Disney saying, we uh, apologize um, to inform you that we decided to go in another direction. However, you have open door policy with us. Please feel free. And I was devastated. Like I probably cried like I had just lost a family member for like a day, like just bawling my eyes out. It was so depressing. And then I gave up in the industry. And that's when we went back to school. We were like, fuck this. I'm going to college. Right. (laughs) I want to get a a degree in a field that I can freaking work and get paid in. I've had those moments this morning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we've all been there. So you went back to school. We went back to school. We took four years out of the industry. We focused. That's how we, we got our degrees in psychology and was actually moving forward. He was a, uh, he became a uh, therapist for autism. And then I was, uh, ended up back at art teacher, but I was planning to go straight into grad school to, um, get my PhD. And I missed being an artist so much after that four years that I was like, I'm going to take this year after graduation to give it another try. And then right. we sold the deal Chronicles. Great. And that's how he ended up back. Back in the business, and then in the business back in. on another. How did you get into the reality game? That was a, by an accident. So a friend of ours uh, was the head choreographer for America's Best Dance Crew, and right. he said they were looking for producers. They were about to try a new gut staff, the show, right. gut the show, and do a completely new staff. And I thought we just don't. That's not our forte. We, we're we're scripted. And he was like, "I'm telling you." You do this with your eyes closed. You, you've been pr- producing and show running your own show. You are a producer. And I was like, fine, put in our names. I thought they'll never, ever consider us. Consider us. So the executive producer called me and Quincy in for an interview. And something we said was uh, he, he just liked he liked us. He was like, I like this fresh vision. I like what you guys. And we were just making up stuff. Like, Pulling stuff out of your butt. Just, yeah, well, yeah. 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 It was like, we knew the show. We're like, I, you know. We love the show. We love the show. Was just so. thinking of ways. To, he, you, you get that question. Well, how can you make it better? And I right. like, question. <laughs> but we had some ideas that he actually liked. And he, off just sight, on sight, he said, yeah, I like, I like them. And hired us. And. And then, and into the there. you fall yeah. into the fold, and then right. once you become one, if you have, you know, if you, you do well, then they, people call you. Hey, love yeah. what you did on that show. Can so you EPs from show? yeah, your EPs from the show you work on will tell somebody else. Yeah, we have a great, we have a great, we have great producers. Um, right, and, and it was kind of hard in the beginning to convince because we we got hired the first time as a team, and yeah. that people weren't used to hiring. Producing teams. teams, teams, right? That's a writer. Right. Writers sometimes work in teams. Right. Yes, yes, right. right. But it, it worked, and it, then worked, it worked to our advantage because it actually gave us a brand. We don't work as a team anymore, but they we still, work on the same shows. But they still the hold time, us. Our reputation is as a package, right? So that's great. Yeah, so it works. For you. Yeah, it was a little branding thing. Um, when can people see your um, project at Outfest? Uh, July this Sunday, July the tenth, nine forty-five p.m. Harmony Gold Theater. And Check it out. We hope. Yes. You're gonna have some actors back. there. Yes, yes, they will nice. all be there. Yes. Nice, nice, nice. And this particular, uh, the the new the new uh, episode that you sent me deals with a, tr- a three kind of triad relationship. Yes. Did you know people that have done that, or how did you think of that Absolutely. idea? Absolutely. We're getting. <laughs> yeah. Of course. No, because like, I know somebody. Throw I know a rock in here. Yeah. Right in this room, possibly. <laughs> right Are we in one now? Is that um, I thought it was really interesting. I was like, oh, I haven't really seen this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was, you know, it was, it was funny because 
you know, when we started off, we, we were in the closet. Right. And now we're married, and now we've been past that. Now it's, okay, how are you, how are you navigating through these relationships that we fought so hard to gain? Right. And how are people navigating? How they navigate? And yeah. these are the things. These these very. We love touching taboo topics. We love being provocative. Right. And so these are the things we hear. In the you know, and maybe experience. And so we're right. like nobody's talking about it. So let's talk about it in That's, a very yeah. in, a, in a creative, entertaining way. But it also fosters this dialogue. It's like, it's, it's almost like you you get over the shame of being gay. Uh-huh. To be in the closet about how you express your right. sexuality, your but now I can only be gay this way. Yeah, right. I have to right. be. I have to be this kind of gay. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's one of the things that we like to talk about, to touch on, and talk about because it's it's interesting the dynamics. Right of, you know. Now, do you have a website or anything how people can learn more about your stuff? I know a lot of it's online. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of it is online. Um, we have the official com, which is our official website. But we're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as the Dio Chronicles as the well. The Dio Chronicles. That's what yes. people should look for. And the, chat, and the Chadwick Journals is has, its own, has its own thing on Facebook and all and the social media. Instagram, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Make sure you guys should find it, check it out, watch their stuff. It's really good. Last question. I know you work with Outset, the the young people. It's a sort of up and coming, like they're late teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. want to be filmmakers through Outfest. Mm-hmm. And you've had your ups and downs in the industry. You've talked about it. Is there a, is there sort of a message to take from your journey, or is there something that you try to communicate to people, not just about how to hold the camera or whatever, but how to how to build a life as an artist that's fulfilling but doesn't. But do you destroy do, you. Yeah, it's yeah, tough. That's How do you do it? I feel like line. that's. I think that's the most important skill. You know, I think it's more important than how talented you are or your craft or anything. It's like, how do you do it? I think the one thing I try to tell our kids is re- always remember why you did it. Because what, what happens along the way is you forget what, what, why you like this in the first place. It didn't have to do with most of the time. It doesn't have to do with fame or prestige. It had to do with, I just like telling stories. I like to write. I like to share. And you have to really remember what started the, the, the road in the first place, you have to come back to one. And it's really hard because when you start, especially when you get success, that's when you really start to get fucked up in the head. It's like, I don't really remember why I'm doing this anymore. There's now money, there's agents. I'm doing it for the press and I'm doing it for the... Right. Yeah, I have to go to this party. I need for the red scene. carpet. I, I need X amount of likes. On yeah, that. Yeah. And if you're so, making money, then you're doing it now for, you for know, a to, living. to maintain... Right. This new, you know, lifestyle, lifestyle that you yeah. possibly so achieve. I always try to impart on them. Just always remember who you are and why you did this in the first place. While you're in this moment, think of that moment in your life that said, "I think I want to probably try to be a filmmaker." And what was that? And remember it clearly, because you're going to have to go back to it eventually at some point in your life and go, "Oh, right, that's why." That's right. why. That's I'm why I can this. put up with this. That's yes. why I can weather this. Yeah. Right. Same thing with uh, actors. I always tell actors, if you're doing this to be famous, get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're doing it because you've always loved acting, you've always loved portraying and inhabiting characters, then as an actor, you can act on the corner in the park. You can act in a web series. We can do monologues and tape. I mean, there are so many ways to continue to practice your craft as an actor. And as an actor with a, with an honest love for it, that's what you'll do. Because you're not booking a TV show, because you're not in the next movie, because you didn't get that commercial, does not define who you are as an artist. So you, you do have to go back to 
what it is that that drives, drives you in the first place because this industry will they go in a lot they go in another direction a lot yeah they like yes. to go in another direction oh yes. absolutely yes. they never go in that direction <laughs> <laughs> they have horrible GPS yeah yeah awesome I think it's great what you guys had to say and this has been so thank fun you. talking yeah, to you yeah, I'm really you glad we got to meet on that panel check out all their stuff online if you're in LA come see their uh, program at Outfest it's going to be great and um, thanks thank you thank awesome you. this has thank been you. a real pleasure yes I loved it Yay, bye. Thanks again to DeAndre and Quincy. If you're in L.A., come see their program Sunday night at Outfest at 945. All right, so this happened. Uh, It was the 4th of July, and my friend Carlos and I went to visit our friends Scott and Peter up in Cambria. Uh, Scott Williams is a former podcast guest, and his partner Peter. Uh, We took Enzo. It was Enzo's first big road trip. He did pretty good. Okay, he puked once in the house, twice actually, and then once in the yard. Um, not a fan of broccoli. Like, he likes it, but maybe I gave him too much. I don't know. But, um, otherwise, he did pretty good. He sometimes gets aggressive with bigger dogs. I think he had something in his past involving a bigger dog. Uh, like, a, you know, anyway, he's, he does okay. But the fireworks, you never know what dogs are going to do with fireworks, right? So, uh, he, they started, and, and Scott and Peter's house is near the water, and you could really see the fireworks. Uh, it's a great view, and, uh, we're pretty close. And so he, yeah, he kind of cowered and got scared and kind of ran to, like, hide behind, like, this app, uh, laptop power cord that was coming out of the wall. Like, he just tried to get as small as he could. So I took him in the bathroom, and, uh, and he just laid in the corner, really small, didn't move. Uh, and I just, uh, turned on my iPod and sang along to, um, mostly Cheyenne Jackson songs, frankly, is what came up in the shuffle. And so now he's always going to associate Cheyenne Jackson with fireworks, but who doesn't, right? Welcome to, welcome to reality. All right. That's all I got. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.